The following presentation has been prepared by the Video Tax News team for Canadian tax and financial professionals. Program recorded February 14th, 2020. Enjoy. Welcome to the March edition of Life in the Tax Lane. My goodness, personal tax season right around the corner. I'm getting so excited. How are you feeling, Hugh? It's always fun in personal tax season. And you know, we got lots of changes this year, Joe. We uh, do. Just had a whole lot of little stuff like yeah. my autofill, my return. Siri says, we're going to try it this year. Your tuition slips are going to download just like all your other slips. Well, I'll rely on that as much as I rely on all my other slips. But hey, the more the merrier. All right. And Fingers the other crossed, thing, yeah. too, is uh, authorization. Uh, the, the forms, the, the T1013, the RC59, the NR95, are disappearing, being replaced by the AU201, AUT01, which will grant you offline. <laughs> Online access. Online access, you have to go electronically through your T1 software or represent a client primarily. Yeah, also we have a new feature set up by the CRA. You submit your return, you submit your benefits application. How long is it going to take to process? Well, you go to the website and the link, and that will indicate the expected processing time. Lots of different things we can look out here. One more reason to get that 2019 return filed. This is the first year you're building up your 250 bucks available under the Canada tax credit in 2020. So if you want your money back, you're kind of in those middle income ranges and your ages 25 to 64, one more reason to get that return in. Mm -hmm. The next thing I wanted to mention too is that climate action incentive payment. Uh, we know for Saskatchewan, Manitoba and Ontario, same old, same old, well, uh, same as last year anyways, uh, but New Brunswick's no longer part of the federal program because they've got their own provincial version of it. New to the gang is Alberta. So for the first year ever, we will get that payment. Mm -hmm. What's next? All right, home buyers plan we have some tweaks and changes here. The maximum withdrawal under the home buyer's plan has increased to $35,000 for withdrawals uh, after March 19th. Also, if you are recently in a relationship breakdown, you are now going to be able to access the home buyer's plan and withdraw those amounts from your RSP uh, to help with that purchase of that property. Well, not so much a change to the rules, but maybe a change to how people are going to perceive them. Uh, a lot of people on medicinal cannabis, mm -hmm. and hey, now they can buy it anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they can't claim a credit for it unless they buy it from the registered health cannabis distributor with whom they are registered. So, got to keep an eye out on that one. Yeah, buy it from the right place. Usually, there's a storefront. <laughs> Way to go, Caitlin. Uh, one of the other things to mention, too, is on the T1, there is the ability to register for the National List of Electors. Uh, well, that, that question is there again this year. However, there's also another part to it. If you're aged 14 to 17 and you check off that box, you can be put on the Register of Future Electors, where you could get information about democracy and how it works and all that stuff, getting you ready to vote when you turn 18. And actually, your name will go on to the normal list at that point. Pretty exciting. I'm I'm excited about yeah, it. Yeah, who needs to go to the bar where you can vote in certain provinces? <laughs> All right. We're, but let's continue on. It's different. All right, what else? Yeah, great. Cannabis, alcohol, we're having a great day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's take a step back and talk about the T1 return as a whole. Holy man, it has exploded. We went from four pages last year to eight pages this year. Uh, but don't worry, the number of disclosures have not doubled. In fact, what we see a lot more on these eight pages is a whole lot of white space. So it's a much more calm, zen-like return. <laughs> so you don't have to worry too much about this. Uh, one other change we had is uh, the old Schedule 1 where we uh, computed the tax credits. That has moved from a different schedule 
into the actual tax return there. Lynn, let's move on to the next topic. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what's going on in Canada with the CRA. But as we were looking down south into the U.S., we saw a couple interesting developments with respect to their tax returns. And in fact, this year on U.S. returns, we're going to have to disclose whether we have effectively transacted or acquired an interest of pretty much any variety of virtual currency digital currency, Bitcoin being one of them. It's a yes, no question. Very broad. Very broad. We'll see if CRA takes a look at that and adopts that at some point in the future, but it's a really, to me, interesting development. Okay, and I know uh, one frustration I see with a lot of business owners, a lot of employees, people who drive to earn income, mm -hmm. is the challenge of maintaining an auto log to the satisfaction of CRA. Mm -hmm. Every kilometer yes. accounted for. And uh, what we're seeing now is, hey, let's use technology. We're seeing yeah. smartphone apps that you get in your car, you press a button to say, this one's for business, this trip's for personal. It'll track it. You can print it off. A few choices in that regard. So maybe worth an investment in one of those apps if you do claim those deductions. One of the, the other things that we have to watch out for, too, is uh, there's actually a recent court case where they took a look at a log which was created at a later point based on information about where they thought they had traveled a few years prior, the year in question, and the judge basically threw it out. You know, you don't have that con contemporaneous log. It's got less value. It might be biased. Didn't help in that scenario. So another reminder, well, we've got to get yep. this done right yep. at that time. There's lots of tools out there to help us out. Why not use them? All right. So the next thing to talk about here is that tenant re relocation assistance. So let's say that there is a, you own a building and uh, some of the people in the building have to move because maybe there's a rezoning or it's going to be demolished or whatever it is. And a payment has to be made. In this case, there was a lump sum payment associated with the move itself and a top-up supplement to help those people when they're living in that new location. Uh, is that taxable or not? Well, CRA has said, no, it is not taxable. They didn't comment, though, on situations where if those people were earning money from those locations that had to move, would it be taxable? We, they didn't comment on that, but that's all we can work with for now. Joe, we are seeing a few questions like that these days. Normally, I get money and probably it is taxable, but mm -hmm. if it's purely in a personal capacity, maybe it's not. So it is worth stepping back and thinking about that. Sure. Mm -hmm. Switching gears a little bit, sometimes we get the question is as to whether, you know, because I'm unemployed and, and I'm on EI, whether I can start my own business and still retain my EI benefits. And we had a court case actually this month that really dug into it. And kind of the bottom line here is that, yes, you can still retain your EI benefits, provided that business activity is only kind of a minor, is of such a minor extent that you wouldn't normally rely on that business activity for your principal means of livelihood. And it's in this court case that we go through all the different factors to determine if that business activity was sufficient to wipe out your EI payments. They talk about how much time you spend in your business, what you've invested in your business capital. Um, you know, do you think the business is going to continue on in perpetuity? You know, what's the nature of the business? If another, you know, employment opportunity comes along, would you stop that business or would you go into that new employment? So a really interesting case to take a look at. The other thing I found really interesting about this case is how it got onto the radar of, uh, of the various agencies. And it was actually CRA who had advised the EI commission that the taxpayer had applied for a business registration number mm. while collecting EI. And that's what started to get the questions going here. Uh, so definitely something to take a look at if you are on EI and you're getting those entrepreneurial spirits going in you. <laughs> 
Boy, and that can be a nasty, surprising bill to get yeah. told, oh, well, you got 13 weeks of EI you shouldn't have collected. We'll be wanting our money back. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, another scary case we saw recently, Kate, was uh, the taxpayer who thought they were in dispute resolution with CRA. They sent in their notice of objection, and CRA had closed it off. They sent them a confirmation that we think we got it right, buzz off or go to court. But for some reason, shortly thereafter, they got another letter from the appeals division that said, we've received your objection, and it'll be assigned, and we'll be in touch. Mm -hmm. So they figured, oh, still in progress. Don't have to do anything. Right. Unfortunately, they didn't figure out that it was not still in progress until the deadlines, all deadlines, for filing an appeal before the courts had expired. And the court had no choice but to look at that and say, look, these are final. There's no way around it. I don't have any discretion. You didn't appeal. You're stuck. So... Boy, any confusion, yeah. I got to resolve it really quick, figure out is it still in progress or not, and if I got to make a mistake, I'd rather file the appeal papers and find out I was too early than find out too late that I've lost my appeal rights. Yeah, that's really unfortunate because you're basically, by default, having to file an objection one way or the other just to keep your options available. So yeah. a little extra work for CRA, but you know what? If that's what you have to do yeah. to keep it open. Joe, what do we have for this last item? In-kind contributions to an NPO. Yeah. So you make a contribution to an NPO uh, with the expectation that it will help your business by word of mouth. What do you do? So Can you, you donate goods, you donate your services, sure. you donate time. Yeah, so let's say you give something that is worth uh, a thousand dollars here can you get a deduction for a thousand dollars well the short answer is maybe but really you'd have to include that thousand dollars in your income first so it doesn't really help you <laughs> Kaylin Hugh any thoughts on that yeah, one yeah when I looked at that technical interpretation CRA basically asked the question are you engaging in a barter transaction are you giving your goods and services in return for receiving advertising and promotion if that's the case then we're into those barter rules GST HST could apply too mm -hmm. that's all we've got time for thank you very much for joining us today and have yourself a great one the video tax news team has been providing canadian professionals with practical tax information for over 30 years subscribe to one of our tax newsletters or join us as we present live and online seminars relating to both personal and corporate tax for more details visit www.videotax.com the preceding information is for general informational purposes only and deals with dynamic time sensitive and complex matters that may not apply to particular facts and circumstances Information provided should not be relied upon as a substitute for specialized professional advice in connection with any particular matter. For more details, see www.videotax.com disclaimer. Copyright Video Tax News, Inc. 2020. All rights reserved.